0: Hello, and welcome to the Joshua Nima Show, where you get a shot of truth with your coffee. Now, we are exactly one week away from Election Day. Um, this ran up on us. It seemed It seems like it's taken forever to get to this final week, but the midterms have flown by. A lot of things have happened, and now it looks like everything is settling to where it's going to be. And so we're gonna discuss that. I'm excited to have with us Anna on the program. Anna, welcome.
1: Hello, Josh, and hi everyone. I hope you all are having a wonderful day.
0: Thank you, thank you. And uh, I couldn't think of someone else I wanted to discuss this with. Um, What are your thoughts first on the midterms, where they're at at this point? I know we've gone through a lot of different cycles and it looked like one side and then the other. And everything's upended. But where do you think we stand right now?
1: To be honest, I'm not really sure. This feels like a toss-up uh, at this point. Um, just because I think everyone is just, like, caught up with, like, their lives and different things that just happened, like, mm-hmm. in, in the last few months alone.
0: Yeah. It's just, uh, it's that. But what uh, just surprises me, it when a midterm happens historically, the party who has the White House loses the seats in the House and the Senate. And so when Bill Clinton was president, Republicans took seats. When um, Obama became president, um, there was a big bloodbath in 2010, and Republicans took over. And then when Trump became president in 2018, the Democrats took hold so all things being equal what one expected was that the republicans were going to take the house and the senate it was going to be a big red wave like the democrats got in 18 but the supreme court changed the dynamics on that with um, overturning roe versus wade and it seemed to really fire up A lot of people who might not have been excited for the midterms, and it really seemed to give Democrats a lot of momentum, and it looked like they were going to keep the House and the Senate, but that momentum for the moment seems to have dissipated. Some argue it happened too early, and so Mm -hmm. now Republicans, at this point, a week out, look to be in a good position the issues they've argued about about the economy about crime and you look at polling it looks like those are the issues that a lot of voters are focusing on Um, I think Democrats haven't framed their arguments well enough because if you look at it violent crime and gun related crime are higher in Texas than they are in California but Republicans have framed it that the big cities in New York and California, Chicago, these places are out of control, violent places. But when you look at it, the crime's much higher in red states. But yeah. it's too um, late to – go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Oh, uh, so I was going to say, yeah, because, like, they're looking at raw numbers, Republicans. Mm-hmm. They're just like, oh, so, like, let's, if I make up a number and I say, like, oh, like, 100 people. Killed in this city compared to this city is like well yeah of course that's going to happen because like statistically like the city like New York or Los Angeles which are way bigger than um, uh, a rural city Mm -hmm. and they're not counting per capita in these statistics um, in regards in regards to how Republicans are looking at it. just looking at raw numbers
0: and Uh, you're right about that because in la alone the population of the city of la is larger than 20 different states so mm -hmm. los angeles is bigger than 20 states and yet it's talked about oh the crime in la of course well if you said what about all the crime in rhode island or all the crime in new hampshire Los Angeles is bigger than those states, so um, you're going to have higher crime. But anyway, I'm sorry yeah. I interrupted you.
1: Uh, no, you're good. So uh, I would argue that re- Republicans are just purposely like manipulating numbers that way. Because in order to get an accurate comparison, you have to look per capita. Mm-hmm. And per capita, per rate, it's, it's a higher rate of murders and deaths. In a lot of these red states, compared to cities like Los Angeles.
0: Yes. And I think a problem that Democrats have is they always play the defense. They allow the Republicans to completely frame an argument. And instead of coming out, and one thing you could argue that Gavin Newsom is doing really good on the Democrat side, and you have people like Elizabeth Warren and others, they really go and they take the fight to the other side. They're pushing forward, they're advancing. But so often, whether it's about crime, whether it's about um, the economy, whether it's about um, critical race theory, which is absolutely insane, the idea that the Republicans have run on, there's no such thing being taught in K-12 schools. But we allow them to frame every argument and define it and then defend it and Their arguments, they're great at messaging, and so they frame it, they define it, and then they win compared to saying, hey, wait a second. This isn't being taught in the schools, so why are we arguing about it? Um, Crime is higher in Republican states and Democrat states. The economy did better under Clinton and Obama than they did under the Bushes. So I mean, you push back and say, hey, you're full of, you know, crap, what's going on here? And they aren't doing it, and I think it's costing them. But um, do you think the Democrats are going to hold both the House of the Senate, or one or the other, or do you think Republicans are going to end up taking it?
1: To be honest, i I really don't know. Like at this point, it's like I said, it seems like a toss up mm-hmm. from my perspective. Um, it depends on who's who's going to go vote. I think. Um, I personally think that I think in a lot of these red states, Mm -hmm. Republicans might get the house in those states, but not because of like, because voters want to,
0: but because of gerrymandering,
1: because of gerrymandering and because of voter suppression, like Mm -hmm these days are pulling back on mail-in ballots and yes. stuff like
0: that. Well, you've just hit on a topic, and I know my audience is sick of hearing me scream about this, but it's the thing that fires me up the most, is you're right about voter suppression and how they've absolutely played a game here, manipulated the system, and they're cheating people out of it, and you just want to say to Biden, what happened? What are you doing? You're the president of the United States, and he allowed mansion and cinema and the republican party to stop anything being done on voting rights and he just rolled over and what they don't get they just think oh the blacks want to vote you know and oh who cares let's there's other issues there aren't other issues because first of all democracy is on the ballot but who do the democrats think vote for them in the highest numbers it's black women followed by black men, and it's in the South. And so when you allow Texas and Florida and these other states to take away voting rights, and you just look the other way, they think, oh, it just affects black people. Well, guess what? When 24 rolls around and blacks aren't able to vote in a lot of these places, and you do this game, then whoever's running for president on the Democrat side, when they lose the White House and Trump or DeSantis is sitting in that Oval Office, they'll only have themselves to thank because they just gave up. They gave up. They had two years, and they never put in a good fight. There were those who did fight for it, but Biden never put in the effort that was necessary, and it was half-hearted, and it's just really a shame, and I think it's going to cost them long-term in a giant way. What do you think, Anna?
1: I agree. I, I don't have anything really against that argument um especially since Democrats uh, like to act like they're the party for minorities and yet aren't fighting for minorities and
0: especially, especially right. when it comes to voter rights you're right and it just upsets me um and i could scream on the rooftop for hours on this issue it's just it's so fundamental. What makes America America is everybody's voice being heard. We have the First Amendment. I mean, the biggest thing we think of is America is the freedom of expression, and there's no bigger freedom of expression than the ability to vote and say, this is what I feel, this is what I want, these are my priorities. And when we take that away from people, when we chop up districts and we say, this person can vote, but let's make it harder on this one, and you do that, you are you are just you're hurting democracy and the idea of places like Georgia and Florida where in predominantly black areas they're closing polling places and you wait for 8 to 12 hours to cast your vote and then in the white areas you could vote in a 10 to 15 minute window and i know just personally me last time what was it 20 i guess that's what it was I waited in line for four hours to vote, and it was miserable. But I'm glad that I only had to wait four hours compared to eight. And we shouldn't be putting these barriers. I don't care if you even disagree with me. I want every person to have the ability to express their view because that's who we are. But Mm -hmm. anyway, anyway, so I think They screwed up on voting rights, and so it's affected a lot of things. Um, If I had to give my prediction, which who knows what it's worth. We'll see in a week. But I would guess the House is going to go to the Republicans, which is a big problem, because we saw on January 6th what happened. The the House was in Pelosi's hand as Speaker. She certified the election. It went to the vice president, being Mike Pence at the time, and he upheld it. But guess what? If Kevin McCarthy was Speaker of the House on January 6th, they would Mm -hmm. not have certified the election to begin with, and it would have been a disaster. And so now we're heading into 24 and the likelihood of Republican House, and what do you think is going to happen with Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates? and uh the one from colorado lauren Boebert, and they're gonna sit there and say oh no this election was stolen i mean it could be a bunch of nuns who vote legally it could be whoever you think is the most honest people and if the democrat wins they'll just say oh no there was stolen election and they won't certify the election and here you have trump or desantis marched into the white house winning and completely crushing democracy So I think the Democrats should have put every effort onto the House compared to the Senate. But Republicans only need to win five seats to begin with to get the House. And in the whole country, the likelihood they're not going to get those five seats, it's just not that big. So I think Republicans get the House. The Senate, I think it's the biggest toss-up. The likelihood is Democrats can keep it. When you look at who the alternatives are in Georgia, you have um, Walker, who, I mean, is just a giant mess. And to take him seriously and vote for him seems insane. You have in Arizona, um, going against Mark Kelly, another candidate. And you look in Nevada with Adam Laxalt versus Catherine Cortez Masto. You would think that each of these ele- each of these races, it leans to the Democrat. But right now, it looks like the Republican challengers are gonna pick up one, if not two of those seats. And so maybe the Senate goes too, but I'm gonna assume at this moment, Democrats keep it. But I think we're in for a lot of gridlock over the next two years because of this. What do you think, Anna? Yeah, I can
1: see a potential gridlock. I really have like no disagreements. Though I'm I'm very I'm not very sure in regards to the Republican Party in regards to like let's say they won't certify of an election in 2024, mm-hmm. um, mainly because the despite the fact that they look unified, the Republican Party in itself is very split. Yes. Um. You know. Well, the dirty much...
0: secret they aren't telling you is a lot of the elected okay. officials absolutely mm-hmm. hate and detest Trump. And they yeah. don't say that. They all go on TV and they all just jump up and down and say how wonderful he is. But I could tell you, the week before the 2016 election, I was at a event, a Republican event, and this person I was talking to them and they turned out to be in Trump's cabinet. And they were talking and we were going back and forth and they said that Trump, he's the biggest clown ever. He's horrible. Um, who could take this guy seriously he's nothing but a buffoon and then Trump gets elected the next week and all of a sudden this person's on TV saying oh he's done a good job and they end up in his cabinet and I've talked to congress people and senators and a governor off the record and they all will tell you the same thing how is this guy running things and yet they go on TV they make the rounds and they say oh he's done a good job blah 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 So they hate the guy's guts, but they're all afraid of the base of the party, who loves Trump. And so I think they're going to try to find a way to get rid of him before 24. But you're right about that. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, otherwise—oh, go ahead. No, go ahead.
0: Otherwise. Uh,
1: Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, I'm not very sure in regards to this whole situation uh it's it's one of, this election is like either or, and I feel like there's not a lot of hype, which mm-hmm. there's never really hype in regards to yeah, midterms to be honest. Um, in California specifically, it's probably just like worse mainly because of the fact it's not a Senate year either.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's just propositions and local elections on our end. and it might be like that for a couple other states as well. I'm pretty sure it's probably more intense intense
0: in other states compared to here. You're right about that. We have um, Alex Padilla up for re-election, but it's a mix-up because of the way they filled um, Vice President Harris's seat. So it's not a traditional year, but it's guaranteed he's winning re-election. But um, I think the big problem is Democrats didn't define the arguments well enough, and the problem is, and I'm not endorsing this point of view, but I'm telling you what I think, the Demo- where the Democrats made a mistake and where they could possibly turn this around in the future elections, but first of all, Republicans are very clever. Whatever you want to say about them, they're very, very clever, and they come up with brilliant strategies and Democrats keep chasing after them. And they are legitimate issues, and Democrats should defend people, but do you want to spend all your time running on these social issues and critical race theory and everything else? Or do you want to say, listen, we'll talk about that too, but what I want to talk about is the job growth that's happened. I want to talk about the economy that's grown. I want to talk about this. And while you want to talk about imaginary critical race theory, why don't we talk about how kids' test scores have been dropping for decades now and what we could do to strengthen our schools and get us on par with these other countries that are taking the lead. And if you do that and you go forward and you push your message, don't get distracted by the shiny ball that's bouncing. And Republicans just throw that out there, knowing Democrats are going to run after it. and then. They don't have to explain, why are you cutting Social Security? Why are you making it harder for people to vote? Why are you harming people? Why are you taking voting rights away from people in Florida? And they never have to deal with that because they always throw it and let the Democrats run to the left and have to defend all the time instead of pushing back about this. What do you think, Anna?
1: The reason why I think Democrats focus on those rights um, instead of like the examples you talked about, like the economy, is because they vote the same way as Republicans when mm-hmm. it comes to the economy.
0: A lot of them do. That's correct.
1: Yeah. Um, they're they they're essentially the same as Republicans, to be honest, um, when it comes to uh, the economy because they have the same financial goals. Uh, when you look at someone like Pelosi, and she she has like apparently like. 40 million dollar worth of like like real estate that mm-hmm. she has like as a landlord yeah apparently you know the reason why you don't hear them talking about economic issues is because they vote the same way as republicans
0: then maybe they should have a discussion internally and figure out where they want to go on those issues but i just think you're absolutely right first of all um a lot of the people in the establishment of both parties are finding ways to benefit the elite, to benefit the lobbyists and the people who put money into their pockets, and they aren't working for the everyday people. And that's the big problem. And I think no matter what you want to say about Trump, and I think he should be in jail, um, he's a crook, so there's no endorsement of him here. But I think if you look at what he did, this is a guy who is such a great con man. He lives... 26 floors above everybody else. A complete... He has a 24 karat gold toilet. I mean, no... nothing in common with the regular person. And he ran on the little guy message saying we're gonna fix the economy, we're gonna bring jobs back, we're gonna, you know, do this and he ran on the everyday man issues. And people believe this out of touch maybe billionaire, who knows. But this out-of-touch guy was for them. And I don't understand why people of both parties aren't realizing why don't we talk about the economy? What do we do to cut regulations? But also, what can we do to strengthen jobs? So someone doesn't have to work two and three jobs. How can we raise wages? How can we strengthen the economy? What can we do to fix schools? And these bread-and-butter issues. Because I think if someone ran on just bread and butter issues and dropped all the other stuff, they would win in a landslide.
1: Well, that's like what Bernie Sanders did, right? You know, he ran on that kind of platform in regards to like increasing the minimum wage to $15 mm-hmm. per hour, which, by the way, $15 per hour cannot uh, sustain people anymore. $15 per hour minimum wage, that was an argument for like 10 years ago. Uh, like how much time has like almost passed Uh well when
0: you think about the minimum this is a side thing but in a lot of places in this country the minimum wage is actually under ten dollars an hour it's 725 it's eight dollars and in california it's 15 and that's too low in a place like california new york but yeah the minimum wage is an issue but i interrupted you
1: um you know we have like that's why like bernie sanders was like very popular with mm-hmm. especially younger people um uh, despite of him being an older gentleman yeah. he-, he was very popular around among the youth because what he was saying like attracted them like in regards to like especially like health care universal health care and increasing the minimum wage um uh, And that's, but like I said before, Democrats, like the majority of Democrats aren't going to talk about like the, like how we're going to fix the economy, how we're going to increase jobs or whatever. Uh, And the same with Republicans, because their stances are the same. They're exactly the same. Republicans might lie and be like, oh, it's Democrats fault for these, right, for these issues. But. The Republicans are the ones who voted those things in. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Democrats also did, too. Uh, unless you, like, look at, like, specific, like, individual-like voters. Right. Um, I otherwise, think, they vote the same way.
0: I think the Democrat Party, first of all, needs to really change its leadership after this election. Um, I think we need very different voices— These people have been in power, some from the 70s, the 80s. And they were these young voices 30, 40 years ago. And now, and it's not about the age, because as you said about Bernie Sanders, he's older than most of these, but his views aren't shaped like theirs are. I don't think it's the age issue. I think it's when you've been in power so long, you become kind of warped. You only are associating with people at the very top. You're talking to donors, you're talking to lobbyists, you're not talking to the regular people. And because of that, you aren't responsive to the regular people and those who make America run. And I think it's time you have very interesting people like you could say here in California, Gavin Newsom. You have Elizabeth Warren, who I have a very high opinion of. Um, who's not necessarily new, but someone who's a fighter. And you have these other voices, and I think if you pivot, you have Karen Bass here in L.A., um, who's left the House to run for mayor, and I want to talk about that in a minute. But you have people who are very good and are willing to stand up and fight for their principles. But it gets frozen out, and I think it's time... A week from now, however the election goes, to turn the page and go to fresh voices. What do you think?
1: Uh, What do I think? I, I, I think it will just take a lot this election, to be honest. And I don't know if if it's even like if it's like not too late, you know, to switch things around.
0: But um. I hijacked this, I think, a bit. Um, are there propositions that in California, because I know in a lot of states they don't have this, but in California people can bring propositions. You gather enough signatures. You get something put on the ballot. And so there is a lot of propositions on the ballot this year and some very important ones. Are there some that stand out to you?
1: Oh. Uh one thing I want to talk about is Prop 29.
0: Okay, is what is it?
1: That? Impo- that's to impose new rules on dialysis uh, clinics. Mm-hmm. Um, according to uh, calmatters.org, it says this measure would require kidney dialysis clinics to have at least one physician nurse practitioner or physician assistant with six months of relevant experience available on site or in some cases, Via telehealth, it also requires that clinics report infection rate data rates to mm-hmm. the state as well as publicly list physicians who have ownership interests of five percent or more in a clinic. The measure also prohibits clinics from closing or reducing services without state approval and from refusing uh, treatment to people based on their insurance type.
0: Okay, and so what's the argument? What, why, who's against this?
1: Uh, who's against it um, so that's actually who I want to talk about um, so there's different like committees against it there's you've probably seen like several commercials of you no know, on prop 29 yeah on, on the television uh, the Republican party's against it but the one uh, um the one organization that's re- that's against it is the Vita. Incorporation, mm-hmm. The giant
0: dialysis chain.
1: They're the one yeah, they own the dialysis clinics across the United States. And
0: And why are they uh, saying that this is a problem?
1: They're saying it's a problem. Well on the commercials and whatnot, you'll see you'll see like, oh, they're gonna like all the dialysis clinics will close and if, I'm gonna die. And yes. this pass. Yeah. And that's, that's the saw fake story, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but the reason why they don't want to fund it is because it will cost them money. Because they have to hire
0: doctors or nurses and they'll cut into their profits.
1: Yep, and they will have to um, report infection rates. And that's actually a really important issue because there's been reports about how, like, these clinics don't treat their strike mm-hmm. um it's very easy for um for uh, a person who's getting kidney dialysis to end up getting an infection because these, these clinics are not as regulated as they should be uh-huh. in my opinion and so that's like why you know organizations like the Vita and like the Republican Party is against it um Different people talked about the Vita before. Uh, I think John Oliver mm-hmm. in in last week tonight, mm-hmm. he talked about that company like several years ago. He did a whole segment about it. Um, but I mainly really bring it up because people should actually like read the proposition versus versus going, oh, no, they'll close up the clinic. Because the proposition literally said that, no, you cannot close clinics without right. the state permission.
0: And uh, you're right. When you watch these commercials, and anybody who watches TV, which I think a lot of people do, but on all the propositions, you get the sob store, oh, either one of two things. Oh, this is going to help so much raising money, and we're going to use that for a homelessness or this and that, and they sell you a, a pile of baloney. Or they go on the other side and they say, oh, this will ruin everybody's life, da-da-da. And there's so many millions of dollars. Um, Another one, which is the flavored tobacco one, or flavored menthol, um, which is the biggest donor and basically the only donor is Michael Bloomberg um, because he has this fascination with trying to control everybody's life. And I'm a person who has – my politics are a little jumbled, But I have a very big libertarian streak in the sense that I believe people should have the right to manage their own life without necessarily other people forcing them or managing it for them. Now, there's certain things government has to do, and you need government involved to protect situations. But I believe people, by and large, know what's best for them and their community, and they don't need the heavy hand telling them what to do. And Bloomberg was famous as mayor of New York for trying to regulate the size of big gulp cups um, because it's unhealthy. And I agree, you shouldn't drink a lot of soda. I don't really drink soda. You'd be surprised to see me. But I agree with the principle you shouldn't do that. But I don't think the government should tell you this is the size drink you can have. Um, or he took salt off the table in restaurants. Again, that's bad for your blood pressure and everything else I understand. But I think we should try to educate people about things compared to dictating behavior. Because if you've ever been around a child, the one thing you'll pick up pretty quickly is when you tell someone, no, you can't do something, or you can't have this, what's the thing they're going to focus on? It's going to be to get that thing. And so instead of trying to dictate actions, we should bring the conversation out and discuss it and so people don't do this. But I've got off... Go ahead, I'm sorry. uh, No, go ahead, go ahead.
1: In regards to Prop 31, which is the flavored tobacco ban, Mm -hmm. it's supposed to uphold the law that was enacted two years ago about banning certain tobacco flavors. Yes. And I'm very mixed on that because on one hand, like, I have, like, the stats like, the stance that, like, people should be able to do what they want, right? Um, but on the other hand, I am very aware that the tobacco company aims at children.
0: Absolutely, yes.
1: And that's, and that's why flavored tobacco is is being aimed at, mm-hmm. because these flavors aim at children, because these are flavors like bubblegum and cotton candy.
0: Right, right. And um, So you're right about that. It is a problem. Uh, I just instinctively, when there's an idea that government is going to regulate what you can't do, and this goes back to, again, this all circles around, but the overturning Roe versus Wade, whether you're pro-choice or pro-life, and those labels don't really work that well either. But the idea, the government telling you, again, what you can't do, while someone could be passionately pro-life and saying, I don't believe a single abortion should happen, but the idea that they're going to regulate that and put that on someone else, I think is a big problem, because what if they decide to regulate next week, everybody has to wear an American flag tie, or everybody has to drive... A certain car, or this, when you take rights away from somebody, when you tell someone they can't do this, I think you open the door for it to be turned against you when they take power and they do this. So I don't like government setting policies on these giant issues and saying this can't happen or this can happen. I think it's more important, let's have discussions, let's debate this, and we'll come up to a solution. But I don't think a few people should make these giant decisions, and and we see the chaos that it causes.
1: Yeah, I think in the end, it's just it's just a whole, um, like especially with the backup situation. Yes. I think it's just a mixed situation because, like I said, it's just I have two different arguments yes. up here because on one hand, I. I like I can see why this ban is being enacted. Mm-hmm. And it's not because of the adults in the situation. It's not because, like, adults can't choose to have flavored tobacco. It's just because these tobacco flavors were made with the purpose of...
0: Enticing children.
1: Enticing children, yeah.
0: I agree. And I just, I got off on a tangent because um, my views on most issues are, whatever my personal view is, that's fine. But I just hate when um, someone tries to dictate something. I think people should be allowed to make their own stupid choices. But um, So I took us down a rabbit trail. It's one of my little pet Mm -hmm. issues. But um, you were talking about the dialysis one. I agree with you. Um, They do need to be regulated and have a medical professional there a doctor or a nurse or a physician's assistant. Um, and every two years, this keeps coming up on the ballot because the dialysis industry, um, namely DaVita, is trying to pull a fast one, and it just keeps coming back over and over and over again. So hopefully it gets settled one way or the other. Before yeah. we get out of here, because I've gone down a lot of rabbit trails, um... We have Karen Bass running for mayor of Los Angeles, uh, a highly experienced, competent, strong leader in Congress. Um, She has a track record. We see that she was a community activist. She was in the medical field. She helped people. She went and ran for the assembly. She became assembly speaker here in California, went to Congress. And she's very good at working with people. Um, Not necessarily all who agree with her, but she is good at bringing people together, working with people. She has a track record. Um, On the other side, you have Rick Caruso, who is technically a Democrat, but who switched parties all over the place, and that's fine. People's views change. But you could argue that here in California, only Democrats can get elected to office, whether that's good or bad. And so, seeing that, he switched from a Republican to be a Democrat, um, a successful businessman. He's, um, if you're familiar with Los Angeles, he built the Grove and other places. And so, he's a highly successful businessman. But, I think, to me anyway, the clear choice for mayor of Los Angeles, by far, is Karen Bass, and we see that Caruso has put ninety million of his dollars into this race to buy the the mayorship. And I think yep. that's very troubling because if our democracy is just whoever could pay the most money, we're in big trouble. What do you think about this race, Anna? Uh
1: I I agree. Like I, I don't I don't actually have any arguments. Usually I'm arguing against you, right? I know this but... week. <laughs>
0: We usually have Uh, really good ones. This week, sadly, we've agreed on most issues. (laughs)
1: Um, with the mayoral race between Karen Bath and Rick Caruso, um, I'm more for Karen Bath over Rick Caruso because again, Rick Caruso, he 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 has essentially just changed his name as a Democrat, but he's not he doesn't he's no different than a Republican.
0: Right, and that's Um, not an issue whether he's a Republican or a Democrat. But the issue is someone who's pretending to be one thing simply as part of the game. Because if he was a Republican, that's not the thing that would X him out. It's that someone's pretending to be one thing to play and they're not. Yeah. So that's yeah. what's going on. But I know that I fully, I've known Karen Bass for a long time, I've seen her work in front of the camera and I've seen when the cameras are off. And this is someone who's very passionate about helping people. She's a workhorse. Um, She's championed the issue of foster kids and foster youth and making their lives better because that's a horrible situation. And I wish we had more time to talk about it. But this Mm -hmm. is someone who really, because a lot of people go to DC and then they're just on TV all day and they're tweeting, and they're putting out this stuff, and they just want to be a star. And you don't see Karen Bass a lot of times because she's not running on all the shows. She's behind the scenes doing all the work. And I just think she's an exceptionally extraordinary elected official. And this is who we need to lead Los Angeles and get it out of the giant mess that it's in right now. But, yep, I agree go ahead okay um, I agree you disagree
1: <laughs> no I just agree oh, oh agree. okay
0: okay I was about to say I, I, we... I don't
1: I don't disagree okay I was mm-hmm. about to
0: say we'll finally get that debate now um, do you have because I have a major prediction for coming after the election um, and we're gonna see maybe I'll fall flat on my face um, we'll keep this tape to find out but do you have any predictions? anything we're closing out here we're coming to the end of the election cycle the end of the year um do you have any do you have an idea of what's coming ahead in your opinion oh
1: i i do think los angeles is going to have a big voter turnout this year mm-hmm. specifically the city of los angeles because of what happened earlier um last month's uh we talked about it personally but we didn't talk about it on the show where these racist comments came out oh yes yeah. um, <laughs> it's um, so
0: strange to think we haven't hit that but yes yeah. that's a whole nother mess uh, uh
1: in city in the city council so i think there is actually gonna be a big turnout in los angeles yeah um and i think that'll help
0: issue. hopefully karen bass um yeah. but are you ready for my big and it's it's a, a national prediction it's not local but not about the midterms but what comes after
1: Sure,
0: I'll hear it out. Okay. And I could be completely crazy, but this is what I think's going to happen. I think Democrats might keep the Senate. They're going to lose the House. But I think if things keep playing out, they're probably going to have a worse election day than they're anticipating at the moment. Um, polls show that a lot of people in the Democrat Party uh, do not want Joe Biden to run again for reelection. Um, if they keep the Senate, they keep the House, I think he's safe. But I don't think that's going to happen, sadly. And my personal prediction, and we'll see, I think shortly after the midterm, so next week we have that, and I think come January, Joe Biden will announce, and this will be in heavy quotation marks since you can't see me, but will announce he has some medical problem, and he's going to step down from being president. And Kamala Harris is going to end up taking over um, the last two years of the Biden presidency. And I think this because the base of the party clearly doesn't want Biden to begin with anymore. But when they're faced also with... Um, the losses of the House and the Senate. And they're gonna say nothing's being done. And what's sad is because Biden hasn't defined his victories, he's actually accomplished a lot more than people realize. But again, he allows the other side to frame it. So clearly, either way, I don't believe Biden at the end of the day is gonna be running for president in 24. But I believe that between next week and January, Biden is going to end up stepping down for, in quotation marks, medical reasons, and Harris is going to finish his term. What do you think? Do you think I'm completely off base? Uh,
1: no, I think I think I don't think he'll run for reelection. I have a feeling he's not going to run for reelection. I think I think I'd be more surprised if he actually did. Um, I don't know if he will step down as being president during his 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 term though. I'm very mixed on that. I feel like he won't. He won't. I but think the
0: results of the midterm are going to force the issue. But yeah. I don't think he yeah. wants to step down. But I do think that people inside the party are going to twist his arm and say, Hey, listen, we're going to get slaughtered in 24. Let's get you off the main stage. And so we could redefine the argument. And I think he's going to be pressured into it. But what i think we need to focus on and we've gone everywhere in this show and it's and this has kind of been a downer show in the sense that everything's broken blah 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 but there's such a degree of hope because with your ballot when you go and vote it doesn't matter what anything's going on your vote is the thing that defines what happens in the future and i think people need to go out there they need to let their voice be heard on both sides of the aisle just go vote and when you do that we could fix democracy we could fix voting rights we could fix these things that are broken and take this country in a great direction and get it working again and I think a lot of people have given up hope but when we're looking at all the issues ahead of us we're looking forward I personally know how I'm voting and I have a slate of people I'm supporting but I think election time is the most hopeful time Because regardless of whether you win or not, the idea that this is the one time every two years you could let your voice be heard and change everything. I mean, if you think about it, no matter how conservative or how liberal a district is, allegedly, if everybody who came out who cared about an issue came out and voted, I don't care if you gerrymander that district like crazy, you could flip who's in it. And mm-hmm. while that's not going to be the case, obviously, and it looks pretty clear, but we this is our one chance. W- once the election passes, all these people go back to doing what they're doing and they're going to play with our lives and play God. But this is our chance to define where we go as a country and what values that matter to us and what we're going to fight for. So I'm excited about this. I think it's great we're in the last week, we're going to land this plane, and I'm very hopeful, actually, and this episode sounded like a downer, but there's great things ahead for us. What do you think, and what do you see, Anna?
1: Um, to be honest, I I don't really...
0: You're not as, as hopeful as I re- am.
1: I'm not very hopeful um, at the moment. It's it's, it feels
0: like it might get worse before it gets better. But
1: that's just that's, my yeah. pessimism.
0: Yeah. It's possible. i like to hold on to hope, and maybe I'm completely crazy about it. But I do believe brighter things are ahead. We're in the middle of a mess without question. Things are bad. But you can see in the people, the everyday people, they're not as bad on both sides. I've interacted with people who are solid Republicans, people who are solid Democrats, people who could care less about anything. And I think the the country, the people in America are great people. And I see such hope when you look at this and you see how people can change and make positive strides. And so if these people get involved and let their voices be heard, I think we could go in a great direction. Um, I don't think necessarily the election is going to be a wonderful result. I hope so. I think we all hope and pray that. But I agree with you that we have some difficulties in the moment and ahead. But I do think in the arc of history, as Martin Luther King said it, we're heading in the right direction. We're in a hiccup right now. Things aren't great. There's a lot of things to be concerned about. but. We as Americans believe in goodness. We believe in doing the right thing. And it takes us a long time to get there sometimes, but I think we're going to land in the right spot. Um, what's mm-hmm. your closing thing? What do you, We're closing here. Any last things you want to say?
1: Honestly, I don't really have like much else to add into this discussion, to be honest, Josh. I feel like we've gone over pretty much. We've
0: gone over everything. And sadly, we've agreed on everything. So we know the world must be coming to an end. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) Okay, Anna, thank you very much for coming on.
1: Thank you, Josh. And I hope everyone has a wonderful day.
0: So I think we've covered everything today. Um, Go out and vote. Vote. This is your chance. Um, Make your voice be heard. As I've already said, This show is completely behind Karen Bass for mayor of L.A. Also, you have great candidates. We haven't got to talk to them or put them on the show this time. But Sabrina Cervantes here in Riverside um, has done a phenomenal job. And we've endorsed her over her past elections, and we're sticking with her. Sabrina's a great candidate. You have Fazia Rizvi, who's running for assembly. Um, in another part of riverside you have will rollins who's running for congress and you have a lot of these people and i know i'm forgetting people eleni Kunalakis, the lieutenant governor and there's a lot of people who are doing fantastic jobs so go out support them um support who you want study up on the issues read the propositions read what these people have to say and vote Don't just take my word for it. Don't take CNN or Fox or MSNBC. You got to go out there and make the decision and vote. But go ahead and do this. I'm very hopeful for where we're going as a country. And with that, go do the right thing.